Good evening, friends. Welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How's your Monday? Pretty good, Dennis. I had a... Um, I was, was going to say rough weekend, but I had, had a fun weekend. That, you know, had a, a rough ending to it, I guess, was the thing. It's uh, a little bit too much boozy in my drink there. Mm. So, uh, I'm, I remember... I remember you saying, because I just listened to and uploaded last week's show, that you were going with your your buddies to play games and uh, and and drink some rum. Yeah, we we uh, Friday was um, a game night for his birthday, um, and just he just played games that night, which was really fun. We'll talk about in a bit. Um, and then Saturday, he had he bought me and some other friends tickets to a thing called a tiki party. I didn't have any idea what that was, but um, ultimately it's at a bar that is, it was a private party. Well, private mm-hmm. in like 200 people. Um, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so pretty big, but still an event, um, a private event, gotcha. a private event. There you go. A private event. Um, and it's, but it's a tiki themed think um, like Polynesian and, the, um, you know, big, orchids in the glass with palm things coming out of it and uh, volcanoes and that kind of stuff the tiki gods um, sure. so that and it's called the inferno room up in fountain square in indianapolis it's okay. a really cool room i actually place i i would definitely go back there again um i would the, i would compare it to the tiki room if i had actually ever been in the tiki room because that was one of the things that uh as i've told my story of the one time i went to a disney park was Disneyland in California and we had mm-hmm. a local as our guide and it's like no you, you don't want to go to the Tiki Room it's, it's lame. Oh I love the Tiki Room and that guide <laughs> is wrong <laughs> the, well the best part about the Tiki Room is that you just sit in a nice dark cool place for like 15 minutes it's that is so great I mean I'll bet I'll in bet Disney, in, in, oh in Florida at pretty much any time of year that does sound pretty great oh it is it is that that is a highlight and we would all i remember and there's not much of a wait that's the thing and and if if there's kids or even not kids there's like animatronic birds singing songs above your head so that part is not really that big a deal and he's right that's lame but really it's just relaxing in a nice cool (laughs) air-conditioned dark place for 15 minutes it's pretty great anyway um Yes, it, it's, it's it's very much the same thing in the Enchanted Tiki Room at, at Disney. Um, so uh, that's the, the, the theme of the bar, and that's the theme of the party. Um, it's uh, they evidently they've been doing this for like eleven years, I think. And uh, the the party is basically a a charity event that they sell tickets for, and they have little tents and things that that you know a lot of people will sell things, and the proceeds go to like for example, this one a whole tent was going to the Maui Relief Fund because there was big um, uh, disaster happening out in Maui. Uh, so you know, if you buy necklaces, you know, like a little tiki necklace and or hats and things like that, then money goes to that charity, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, uh, but yeah, my review is just that it, it's really fun. I like the tiki themed stuff, but as it is when you make cocktails. They are like especially fancy cocktails. They are not cheap. So when you're paying like fifteen bucks a drink, it's right. and you're buying for your friend's birthday, it gets real pricey real fast. <laughs> um, so good time, but yeah, 
Uh, no, my 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 illness necessarily wasn't because of the 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 over indulging in the the booze. It was that we left at about midnight and decided we were going to walk down the street to this whatever pizza place uh, dive place was open and order a pizza, and it I think it just wrecked us. Dave and I, my buddy, just he got sick the next day and was throwing up, and then I and not because of the booze related stuff. It was just because this pizza. And then I've had knots in my stomach for two days because of it. And it's like, oh, my God, we just ate a bad piece of sausage for sure. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's a, it's been a good week, though. It was a good weekend. Um, all right, my game. There's really only one game that I – we played a couple games that um, we've already talked about on the show before. Um, but one of them that was kind of new is a game called The Captain is Dead. It okay. is 2000 – Right. And it's funny, the title is weird until I thought about it. It's a 2014 game um, uh, by oh, um, uh, Alterac, uh, AEG, Alterac Game Group. Um, and it's a cooperative game um, right. where the you're on a spaceship and there are different rooms on the spaceship, like the, the mainframe core... The, the bridge, the, the medic room, the communications, the um, security room or something like that. So there's like in the engineering. Um, and like, the uh, captain died. I guess we got like attacked by aliens and the captain died. And sure. we've got to engage the main engines um, to take off. And that's how you win as a right? But the aliens are still attacking and ship systems are failing all over the ship. Um, so you have to, in this cooperative game, you take your turn and you do actions. And then at the end, you flip over a card that tells you something bad that has happened, right? Sure. Uh, which will, which will hamper you. So to just engage the engines, for example, you have to spend, uh, two different kinds of resources, a lot, a, a lot of them, right? So the idea is to go get resources like, um, science or engineering resources or something, you know, wrenches and things, um, and those are in one of the rooms. Okay, we traveled to one of the rooms. But then at the end of your turn, you get there and you get a few of these resources. Now you're going to go turn them into the core. But you find out that when you're done, the uh, the teleporter has gone offline. Which means that you now have to actually manually walk through the ship instead of being teleported everywhere. Right. Um, and then you're like, the engineer's like, well, just, just hand it to me. You got me on the comms and you can just give me that yeah, resource. Well, at the end of the next person's turn, you find out that the comm system has gone down and now you can't pass resources and you have to manually walk it over there. And then there's an alien that spawns in the middle of the way and you got to fight it along the way. And you have certain skills that help with, say, I was an, uh, uh, a security officer so I could fight aliens better, uh, whereas an engineer had discounts to fix things. So it's And then things just get worse and worse and worse and you have to find out the point where you're managing the chaos or you're actually also still trying to to engage the system, right? You, mm. In these kind of co-op games, you get overwhelmed with like just treading water and forgetting yeah. that the game will end if you just tread water type stuff. Right. Um, yeah. I was the 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 um, your initial description sounded like Among Us, but yes, very very. But you're, you're actually no traitor here on this one. Yeah, I was. I didn't hear any trader mechanics, so it's more like, um, you know, pandemic. Yeah, but yes, and uh, and I, you're right. It is, uh, describing it like Among Us is a very, very good example. Um, 
and like a very good example. But there's no just you know, the, trader, the no kicking anybody out. Yeah, e- eventually you get your your the card stacks are made that they get progressively harder and more difficult and worse things. Like not only did the computer system go down, but aliens came aboard the ship and they attacked the targeting system or something. So it's like, oh my god, all this stuff is happening. You know, um, more and more. Um, but I, I will say it's pretty good. It's got like it doesn't have miniatures for the board. It's got standees, but they're plastic mm-hmm. standees. Like, um, do you ever have those? You know, when I said the, the, the word shrinky dinks, do you know what I mean, you mean mm-hmm. by that? Yeah, that's like, you put, yeah, that's a name I've not heard in a long time. In a long time, right? Yeah, it's it's like that. It's like uh, they they had this thing and they put them in the oven. They shrinky dinked and then they're this like a st- put on a standee. So they're really good, colorful plastic standees i guess uh, and they've got lots of different characters that you can play that have all different abilities and they're very very different from each other one of our guys played the janitor which sounds like really really lame but he could pretty much do anybody's skill so because he he listens and and under you know helps everybody on the mm. ship so he's a kind of a um he can go to any area and if somebody else is there he can do the same skills they do which is pretty interesting um or holograms are uh, aren't affected by gas that gets to take in the ship stuff like that sure but yeah very cool uh, worked pretty well i played with a lot of people who i would call very casual gamer people mm-hmm. um a step above the um apples to apples crowd or um cards against humanity they're they're more than that but not much right like and, a like a sushi go seven wonders architects yeah, yeah, maybe tier. even a little bit because they all understood mostly the mechanics here, um, but just but just I would say Catan level. Let's put it that way, a Catan sure. level group. Um, and uh, we won, and it all came very close. Uh, we didn't have a whole lot of alpha gaming going on. I think everybody did pretty good and felt like they were contributing. And when you have that kind of a situation, um, you know, no one was really like, "I'm going to be the hero and I have to do everything." They were all just like, mm-hmm. "What can I do to help?" type stuff that's cool um, yeah and when you play co-op that makes it fun right um, yeah we've we've talked about co-ops uh a lot over the mm-hmm. years we've been doing this podcast and i found um in a game of pandemic i played with my brothers or pandemic legacy um i was surprised to find that a co-op game can act can actually be more um contentious between the players than mm-hmm. a competitive game. Agreed. Agreed. Right. It It's just a it's different weird. kind of tension um, with that co-op. Uh, right. And, and you and I don't like the kind of games, co-op games, that encourage that tension. Right? Sure. We've said that in the past. Sure. Like when they we, put mechanics we, in there to cause that problem. Yeah, like uh, uh, Gloomhaven has some issues. Gloomhaven does that kind of stuff, right? Um so, yeah, and this one did not have that. Obviously, in co-op games, like I said, you have the, the person that, like, I want to be the one that flies the ship, so I'm going to hoard all the things. And even if it's not necessarily doesn't randomly turn out to be your best move for sure. the team, you get something like that. Man, why don't you just stop being kind of selfish, and then it just causes problems, and then you got one guy mm-hmm. kind of screwing it up because he's holding the thing up, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, um, I mean, I or even the, the thing you alluded to earlier where it's like, you know the the you can't win by treading water kind of thing in in pandemic but that's the balance right you have to you have to keep 
certain things from failing or you're going to lose. But right. if you just do that, you're going to lose anyway because, you know, the timer is going to run out or whatever. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, this plays the, the interesting thing about this. One, this plays up to seven players and we did play with seven players. It said on the box 60 to 90 minutes and it was about 90 minutes is where we came okay. up about. Um, had anyone I, it played could, it before? I had. I had played it once before, but just like barely, um, mm-hmm. late at night when and not remembering of anything. Uh, so I reread the book and and retaught it. Um, okay, but nobody else had. And like I said, and I told you the level of you know complexity that these this group of people were used to. But it, the, the to its credit, the game isn't that complicated. Like you can just on your one character sheet have very, very straightforward things that tells you what you can do and you just have the one card and that's all you need. And the resources are you draw a card and it's green. It says science. There's no like pluses or minuses or numbers or things on the card. It's just a red science resource. That's it. Mm. Right. And all sciences are red. All, you know, or green. And all security is red. So very, very straightforward, simple way to, to deal with stuff. So yeah, I, I would give it a thumbs up. Um, it's it's not necessarily easy, even though we won. It's not necessarily easy, um, and I would okay. I would definitely say, casuals who are looking for a co op and they're at Catan level stuff, then it, it, I'd pick it up. I, I definitely would. Definitely recommend it. Nice. What did you get? You got to move your vehicle this week, right? <laughs> Yep. Where, where, moved, where'd, you, uh, where'd you go? I moved over the weekend. Um, I am now north of Seattle. I crossed the Cascade Mountains again. Hmm. Is it is it cold um, there now? It's not cold, but it's. Uh, I don't think it got above seventy. It got it got just above seventy inside the camper, uh, but I don't think it got even into the. Let's see. Right now, my phone says 60. I think the high today was 64 outside. So I did, um, when I took the dog for a walk, I wore a flannel. And when we were in the sun, I was like, this is warm enough. I don't need the flannel. But when we were in the shade, I was like, it's cold. Because we're also very close to to the water, to the ocean. There are a bunch of islands from uh you know just out from here i think um someday this week or maybe saturday i'm going to go a little bit south and i think there's a state park down there where i can see vancouver island across the across the water from here which is a big it's much larger than i realized it's a huge island uh off the coast of uh bc it's probably part of british columbia but um mm just off from vancouver right hence the name right uh so that gives you a sort of rough idea of where i am because it was still hot uh at the campground i was at um last week uh right mm-hmm. kind of in the middle of washington which um is pretty desertous i did not i mean i knew that before i came here and i've probably talked about it in recent months um but i went into this area with uh some of my family back in 2017 and i was like 
this is I didn't realize this was so much like Montana. Um Oh yeah, yeah. Just probably very very dry, very warm especially during the day. Um I don't think even at night it got as cool as it is here during the day. But it's a big like the climate changes completely when you cross the mountains. Oh yeah, for for sure that the the Rocky Mountains just that's the real dividing line for me between America is that it's um such a different world crossing those those mountains. Yeah. Oh, but it's nice over there though. Pretty pretty good. You've been there for a day now, right? Yeah, it's been uh it's been pretty nice. Um the park has a lot of trees. Um so it's more like <laughs> camping than uh you know, it's always a trade-off. Like I'm using Starlink and Starlink works better in just what I think of as an RV park, which is almost just like a gravel parking lot, you know, with maybe some grass. And I mean, the old park, the old park, the park I came from had had sprinkler system everywhere to try and keep grass because it's just so dry. Um, where here it's like, yeah, there are a lot of other RVs around, but, um, you know, I still sort of feel like I'm in the woods. So Starlink is isn't that called X now? Something like that? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think I, no I think maybe as as part of SpaceX, it, uh, it satisfies Elon's <laughs> desire to na- put an X in the name of everything. Oh, that's right, SpaceX X. It's got the X in there somewhere, right? Uh, company formerly known as, known as NASA. What they do it. Uh, cool. Well, let's, what, what do you say this week? We had a pretty light movie, I guess from the nineties, although Mm -hmm. it's got an eighties feel to me for some reason, but, uh, you want to go ahead and jump into that? Yeah, let's do it. So this week we watched gross point blank from 1997 gross um starring so many people uh john cusack mini driver and dan Aykroyd are top build but also joan cusack ellen arkin hank azaria uh jeremy piven was in there uh, i type i typed this name of this film like 10 15 times in the last week <clears throat> and it's that stupid american thing why did they put an e at the end of gross and the E at the end of point. And it just bothers me every single time I see this sure. on paper now. Yeah. Gr- well, and the, t- pointy. and the title, the title doesn't tell you anything. It's like the right. name, the gross point is the name of his hometown and right. blank is his last name. But I'm like, if you didn't know that the title doesn't tell you anything. Like it's just, uh, whatever, like, and it's like point. They're trying to make a point of point blank, but that's not really maybe, in play here at all either. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Except that know. it's a shooting term. Yeah, you're right. right. The title. I will say that I did not. I have not seen this film before, mm-hmm. and um, I had no idea what kind of film it was. But by that title, I had always assumed it was some kind of drama. Uh, lo and behold, it is not a drama. Well, kind of romantic comedy. So is that what this is? Um, let's see what IMDb says. 
action <laughs> comedy crime doesn't even have romance though it's clearly a love story oh yes it's like that's his whole his whole bag his, right his whole thing yeah mini driver's thing um what would you think have you seen i forgot had you seen it because this was your recommendation had you seen this before or had it recommended from somewhere i had not seen this before i'm sure it came up somewhere in um on film sack seems like the kind of movie that they would review um and yeah so i went into it mostly also knowing nothing um i was amused to see all three of the of the Cusacks. Uh, you don't see right. Anne Cusack very much, and she looks so much like her sister that when she first showed up, I was like, "Is that his assistant there, like <laughs> undercover?" But no, right. it's a completely different character. And then when I was looking at the um, at the cast list, there's another one. Uh, there's a Bill Cusack playing a waiter. Um, and I don't know. See what it says. Like, yeah, if he's related to him, he's it's he's a brother. So it's four, four Cusack siblings were in this movie. Wow, jeez. And I went well. John was a producer on this. I will yeah, say that. and and John was a producer and has a writing credit. Um, so I'm sure it was kind of like his. He had a big say in in that. There. Yeah, you know. it felt like. Um, it felt like maybe somebody, whether that was John Cusack himself or somebody else involved in this production, uh, trying to um, trying to transition his career out of the the you know quirky John Hughes movies that he's known for into right. some kind of action star. And I was like, he is just not like it's fine the the stunt and the action scenes and stuff, but I'm like. I'm not buying John Cusack in this action role at all. Right. Um, maybe a little bit like what uh, what Keanu Reeves did. <laughs> right. Um, this is, believe it or not, one of John Cusack's highest rated films. Not not okay. that it's a highly rated film. It's like sits it on MDB like a seven point four or something. Mm. Um, but only only high fidelity and being John Malkovich. Um, are, are rated higher for, for him. Okay. Uh, I think the thin red lines on there somewhere. Um, I haven't seen that one. So yeah, it, this one is one of his highest. I will say that I've never been a John Cusack fan. Not, I don't, I'm not a hater. I just never got what his thing was. Sure. You know, I'm granted. I was a kid in the eighties when he was making a lot of his films. And then he, this one is in the nineties. So I was in my, you know, early twenties. Um, and yeah, he just, definitely got the John Cusack thing. He definitely belongs to a slightly older Gen X, like, uh, culture vibe. I don't know what word to use there, but, um, yeah, I mean, I mean I, his, his, him, shtick, was... his shtick seems to be like, you know, leading man but just kind of normal average looking to still be um relatable you know like early tom hanks stuff yeah i mean he was in 16 candles was one of his very first ones and that's what i think people gave him you know a lot of like oh that's where he kind of came and then and then my thing when i i was a kid 
Um, I couldn't have been like 11 or 12 when One Crazy Summer came out. And that, I liked that him and that just because he drew like animated characters. The animated characters walked around the screen. Um, hmm. But that, that's the only thing I can remember as a kid um, liking him. So, yeah, he, he's fine. There's And he's fine in this one, too. But I, I just never been a... Oh, it's John Cusack. I I really like that guy. To, you know, to watch this thing. Mm-hmm. So he was. I would actually say that John Cusack was the weakest part of the show because I thought it was pretty cute overall. But sure, he I just that. he felt like an everyman because I think that's who he is, right? And in most things, but this character is not an everyman. Like right, right. He's a ex-army CIA assassin <laughs> who's coming home with clearly the best looking girl in, this, in the place and leads this life of an adventure and he just looks like the insurance salesman. Right? But they don't play it up like he looks like the insurance salesman or anything. He's no. supposed to be a leading man in a thing. It just... Yeah. And I don't want to knock him. I don't, I don't mean to knock him. I'm just saying it just felt like it didn't fit uh, for me. But I love... Yeah. I think I liked most of this show because it was just so cute and very stereotypical 80s, 90s rom-com, like I said, with some little action in it, um, quirky situation, highly unbelievable in everything that it does, you know, from the characters. And, and, and I always love the, it's been 10 years, our lives have changed so much, and we're at our 10-year reunion. I'm like, wait, 10-year reunion, that means you're like you're at most... 28 years old 28 right? I, I i i had that exact same thought and i i get that like they're going from here's a guy who did like teen or very young adult stuff like high fidelity and i've not seen 16 candles or thin red line or uh, another one that you mentioned right uh, i've seen say anything and high fidelity and at some point i saw uh, being John Malkovich, but that was a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and so this idea of like, here's a guy who did all these eighties movies and now it's the nineties and he's doing a guy who was in high school in the eighties. I'm like, okay, none of these people are 28, first of all. <laughs> and like 28 still to me feels pretty damn young. <laughs> like Pretty young. They uh, definitely this, were. This is a, this is a whole thing. And it's, and you've got Dan Aykroyd, who's not—he's not Dan Aykroyding very hard to 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 give him credit. Yeah. Like usually, agreed, agreed. he's doing the the um, not Vankman. What's what's his name in the in Ghostbusters? Oh, um, Ray Ray Stance. Ray. Um, yeah. He's 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 not doing Ray, and he's not doing um, like the Blues Brothers thing. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's, he's also trying to play, you know, this, this sort of different character. That's not too, um, not too exaggerated. That's a little more subtle, which was fine because he's not on screen all that much. Um, <laughs> right. but yeah, so like, that was the thing I said at the beginning, like, I'm not buying John Cusack as an action hero in the same way that, <laughs> right. you know, the, the John Wick, um, Keanu Reeves is completely different from Bill and Ted Keanu Reeves. Um, right. Like he's still he still seems like John Cusack except Oh, he 100% he is. He's he's 
you know, dual wielding these pistols, these these guns from the in, hip in in a, <laughs> in a way that like, you know, maybe not somebody who's never held a gun, but like pretty close. Yeah. Um, same thing with Dan Aykroyd. He was the same way when they were I'm like, these guys are supposed to be highly trained assassins. <laughs> OK. Yeah, I, and then I had yeah. to do that whole Harrison Ford line, you know, that it's not that kind of movie. Kid it's 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 not that kind of movie. And then the other thing that kept taking me out of it um, was just the I don't, something about the the writing and the dialogue. Just all like, how do I describe this? Um, it just ne- almost never felt like real people talking. Oh, hundred percent for sure. Right, it's like definitely like Hollywood he, script. Yeah, he he just walks into the into the radio, and of course she's working the radio, and the and the the recording booth, the broadcast booth is right at the front of this storefront where she can watch out the window at people walking by all the time. I'm like, that seems weird. And then she puts him on the air right away, and they just talk and they take callers, and I'm like, what is this? This is like more ridiculous than the than the sleepless in seattle <laughs> talk show uh stuff how about you know, nor, how about the fact Efron. that they that he, he it was 10 years ago and she's like 17 at prom and gets left by him and that's the last time she's seen him but the first time they see each other they just start making out i'm like yeah this is clearly hollywood right script right. written thing you know I'm like yeah <clears throat> okay and, all right and like they do the airplane thing and i'm like what what is this this is so weird just every every moment every scene i was like this movie is weird and i didn't quite understand half of the stuff that's going on that wasn't his high school reunion stuff like i didn't understand who the bad guys were and then there was like cia there randomly but brought in by dan Aykroyd, who was associated with him and then Dan Aykroyd's trying to get a union of hitmen. All that was like, what is happening with any of this? Yeah, it's this very flimsy, like, justification for... And there's there's a lot of stuff sprinkled in of, like, here's this guy, and he didn't, you know, he didn't stop this assassination, but Dan Aykroyd was the other assassin, and there's something about a dog they keep bringing (laughs) up, and, like, none of it's... don't I don't think I really wanted a lot all you know all of that fleshed out and you know to add all this weight to this sort of goofy movie but but it was like okay it's like just just the bare minimum that you need to understand that he's this guy and he has this thing and he's lost his taste for it but there's there's Dan Aykroyd who's sort of his frenemy and He's got these guys tailing him who are assassins, but not not in the way they're assassins. Like, they're NSA, so they can't just attack him. They have to kind of tail him and wait for him. Then <laughs> there's even right. a dialogue between those two guys where, like, they're explaining, like, okay, if we do this, then we're the bad guys. But if he does this and then we do this back to him, then we're still the good guys. And it's just in the bathroom. ridiculous, that. yeah. It, it really is. And then he's also got a random other assassin that's trying to kill him for some there's, reason. There's a random dude who shows up just so that he can, I mean, 
that's all just justification for him stabbing the guy and her catching him and uh you know yeah, being the, somebody to kill there in front of her yeah sort like, of was all that n- no no reason for him to be in there and they never explain it with her i i will say that i i was actually I looking that forward was, that to was the related to the dog oh you're right oh the dog right uh i I was actually looking forward to the times when Dan Aykroyd got on screen because I could, I thought the, uh, will you be in our union and the, um, over the top way that they interacted with each other was just over the top and hilarious. And I thought I, when Dan Aykroyd gets on, on the screen in this film, I know what kind of movie this is, right? It's just goofy fun. Um, not, not, like you said, not in the same way that Ray and them in the Blues Brothers side, but just it's, it's him being funny. Like they're definitely doing over the top stuff. And then when he's not on the screen, then I get confused about what kind of movie this is. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, cause I, then it's a romance, then it's a romance. And, yeah. um, but the romance is just, just n- almost nonsensical. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but but I'm kind of bashing on it feels like but it was still almost like I said the word I want to use is cute. It was very sure. cute. Sure. You know, it it was very lighthearted. Um, you know, t- uh, Dan Aykroyd shoots guns from the hip constantly. It's one of those where um, the guy that's one of the assassins chasing him is shooting uh, like a PPK and he's just got one of those like an Uzi, basically what people know what that is. Dual wielding an Uzi that never runs out of bullets. These things shoot like you don't have to know the minimum to know that it's got a thirty round thing and it's done in like two point five seconds. It's empty. He's right. He, He's going like <laughs> John Cusack is doing a lot of like replacing clips and and reloading them, but still right. firing way too many times um, for one uh, clip or magazine or whatever. Oh my god! And it's just and they never hit a thing. They're professional killers and they never mm-hmm. hit a thing. Yeah, right, yeah. except for the random guy that happens to come off the side of the thing, and and I do love to show what kind of film this is. That spoiler, if you've not seen this movie from the end, um, that John Cusack takes a television and hits him over the head with it, and it's still sparking even though it's not plugged in. <laughs> like he's Dan Aykroyd's laying on the ground, like shaking, like he's being electrocuted. He's like. Right. <laughs> But the cord is clearly just sitting there on the ground. It's not plugged into anything. Mm-hmm. But huh? so it was it was laughing funny at times. And then the, the resolutions that just is just as kind of corny. It's like they didn't think of it too much. Like, um, we'll make it her, her dad. And then the dad will like him because he's saving him. And then she'll come back and talk to him, even though she just saw him murder somebody. Right. Um, like n- none of it made any practical sense whatsoever. Um, so. That's important, important if you want to like the film, I think. Sure. Because sure. it what it wasn't like bad in the way that you um, can see a thing just groan at everything. It was just fun, and you don't take it seriously, and you just have fun with uh, Minnie Driver. You know, she was pretty good. I thought throughout this one. I mean, granted, I always had a movie crush on her when I was a kid, mm. but she was she was fun, uh, smart, and witty. Her character was. Um, so much of what she follow. said and did made no sense to me. I was like, oh, most wh- of it wh- made no sense, but the, as much as he did, right? Right, true. They seem to match each other with nonsense. So, yeah, that's fair. And I do feel like I'm, I do feel like I'm bagging on the show. I would say 
ultimately I wouldn't necessarily recommend this to anybody. I don't, I don't know of any reason why I would. Yeah. I like I mean, the soundtrack. It's <laughs> <laughs> fair. Um, yeah, I mean, not bad, but it's not good. And you're not going to get anything out of it. There's not, I can't think of any real moment in the film that was memorable that I will remember in a month. Sure. Yeah, Would, yeah. Can, can you think of anything at all like that? I mean, only, I mean, there was a lot of it that was absurd, right? Like the airplane. Like, like the or, guy with the cocaine? Or the cocaine or him putting the, um, putting the TV on his head or, you know, they have several scenes with all these people dancing. And then in the next scene, they're all sitting in the chairs around the table, just exhausted. Like that's kind of, <laughs> kind of funny. Um, and he, he meets that woman with the baby and, and holds the I baby. And there's, to and there's this moment of like, you know, maybe he's just a regular guy who's, you know, uh, like, can make a connection with an infant like it's is not not a as much of a cold-hearted killer as he thinks he is kind of thing but it's not like it doesn't go anywhere <laughs> this this i'll tell you what this feels definitely like uh john cusack had earned a lot of cred with the studio and wanted sure. to do his own thing and they're like mm-hmm. he's john cusack we got a lot of success with guy. We're just putting his name on there will be good, and he can get a lot of his friends and family that also have at least moderate names. Sure, right. greenlight it. Sure, and yeah, yeah, yeah. with very little oversight, you know. Yeah. It's funny that I actually know the name though. Like Gross Point Blank, I have heard it over the years multiple times, uh, but obviously not. Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe at the time it was one of those things where people were like, "Oh, this is." this is different we've never seen him do something like this um maybe like like a lot of actors have that um sort of breakout transition thing where they were known for this one thing and then they do something completely different like um uh not Forrest Gump but um whatever like Philadelphia or something for oh Tom for Hanks Tom, with that, yeah. Tom Hanks like, or even like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger doing comedy instead of action hero stuff right right like somebody somebody successfully jumping genres um or you know having mostly done like light-hearted uh kind of things i think several of the like bradley cooper um matthew mcconaughey did kind mm-hmm. of a similar thing where they were mostly just you know leading man romantic comedy types and then you know did something that required some real acting chops and and managed to sort of upgrade their careers. Well, unfortunately, this isn't John Cusack playing somebody different. It's John Cusack playing John Cusack in a different, like, written character. <laughs> it's I, still I John agree. Cusack. I agree. <laughs> I mean, you said that earlier on. You're like, you know, this wasn't this wasn't uh, Ted S. Preston Esquire being um, John Wick. It was those are two different. You know, characters. This was John Cusack with different stuff. Yeah. But, so yeah, I I give it a thumbs in the middle. I enjoyed it. Definitely <laughs> seen things that it, didn't feel like it wasted my time, um, and gave me it some good fun. It wasn't bad. It was just 90s. so strange. Yeah, just so strange. And there is the thing. 
Um, so next week is my pick, sure. right? Your pick, yep. Um, we talked about this, and I picked um, a show called... This, it's not going to be a step up too much, I don't think, uh, but it's called The Change Up. Um, I saw a trailer for this, or I, I bet you I saw a thing on TikTok, I bet, a quick cap of it, um, <laughs> and was like, what is a movie with these two in it? It's got Jason Bateman and Ryan Reynolds in it, and I like both those actors. Okay. Um, Deadpool and, and Michael Bluth. Exactly, exactly. Um, so I really enjoyed both of those. And the scene I saw had them almost like acting like each other. And I was like, what's going on here? And then I did look it up later, and it was called a movie called The Change Up. I said, and I went and just wrote it down. We should watch that. And then I come to find out that it's a body swap movie. Okay, you know, like okay. He's in his, sure. his, he lives a... Uh, Ryan Reynolds lives a fantastic um, uh, playboy lifestyle. and Bachelor uh, life, sure. The other guy is a homebody with a family and stuff, and they swap bodies and have to live in each other's lives. So it sounds, by the numbers, not fantastic. But I do like these actors, so I kind of figure we watch it and talk about it. So, but change up. Sure. With Jason Bateman. Cool? Cool. All right. Uh, let's, let's see. What else? Hey, we played another game this week. We got a new one that our buddy Cogswell um, got us to play. Uh, yeah, talk about it's on. Bit. It's on Board Game Arena. It's called After Us. It's um, uh, monkey primate themed. Um, the theme is whack to me. I don't understand. It says it's like post-apocalyptic and it's recruiting monkeys. I don't quite understand where they put the theme on this. But. Yeah, it's like Planet of the Apes after, after, uh, you know, you blew it up. Damn you all to hell, you maniacs! <laughs> I guess so, uh, um, that the apes take over the world. So it's all monkeys. It's um, all monkeys. <laughs> but definitely just a theme slapped on a on a unique deck builder, right? Kind of, yeah, as best I can as best I can tell. Um so this one is it's a deck builder or probably engine builder is a better way to say it, though you are building a deck, but it really has almost none of the trappings of deck builders that we were just complaining about. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a recent episode last week or the week before. Um, you do have, like, lame starting cards, and there is a purge mechanic. Um, but you you don't play the cards um, for resources printed on the cards, like every other card game since Magic. Um, you set the cards down in a tableau of four, and they have actions on them that are either in the middle of the card or on the edges and the ones on the edges only trigger if they're a complete box right so if they have a matching not matching but they have they have a corresponding box on the adjacent card um and there are three rows right next to it right yeah and those those all trigger in a row and so some of them give you resources per card right yeah three rows per card and so if you have like you know there's resource a on the on the right side of one of my cards and resource b on the left side of another i put those next to each other and i get both of those resources um and but if you put it but if you put it on the right and then the one on the left doesn't have that resource then you don't get anything if it not even that resource if it has nothing if it's blank 
if the top row is blank on the left of the card that I have on the right, it's much easier to see if you watch a video than for me <laughs> to explain is. it in an audio medium. But um, yeah, if there's a resource on the right edge of one of my cards and there's nothing on the left, that um, first card doesn't doesn't get any benefit. Yeah, so it's how um, you. It's important how you connect your four cards together. Right. How you how you lay out that tableau. It's also simultaneous play. Uh, I think that's the which right is, term. Which is a pretty good so far. It's yeah. It there's seems to be working. Right? There's no reason for everybody to sit around while you do. Which is another different thing. Like every other deck builder I've played is turn based. Um, mm-hmm. This one, everybody arranges their tableau, and then once everyone's set, then you resolve them and you i get these resources these and these and then the further in the lower rows like the second and third row um there'll be transactions so instead of getting two resources you'll pay one resource to get a different resource or two like two different you know it's specific um like you pay this you you exchange this to get that um and you resolve all that and then you have chips that say what type of ape you're going to buy. Um, and there are four different types, and they require, they each require a different resource. I think the fourth there, one there's is. There's actually only three different wild. kinds. Yeah. There's the copying kind. Maybe that's a different pile or something. Um, and there are tiers. There are two tiers. So there are the cards you buy that cost three resources of the three different types of resources and there are better ones that cost six i don't know if that's universal across the board but um yeah i think it is and but, so but the here's the a six real resource catch. cards yeah i'm getting to it the, yeah. the six cost cards are presumably better um what another thing that is unique about this compared to other deck builders is those cards that you buy are all face down so no idea what you're gonna get you you know kind of thematically like these types they're different they're like gorillas orangutans and and something else um you know sort of thematically what kind of resources they have on them but the like the four starting cards are all the same type of primate but they're not the same card they have some different resources depending on how you arrange them in your tableau so you're kind of rolling the dice on that a little bit if you get you know whether you get a good one or not like it you know some of it is just strategic you're like i'm going to kind of focus on these um and right. and it's not all the, guaranteed like i've gotten a couple and they're and it says like oh for example gorillas give more rage right okay mm-hmm. well cool and then I, I my gorilla has just one box that has rage on it it grants a two, and I can see that it means like something converts into rage, and maybe other cards don't have that. But it's got all the it's got six boxes on it, and all of them don't have rage. They have other things on it too. So right. even though you can pick from this stack that might have more chances of rage in it, it's not guaranteed that it's all like the best rage where it's all full of rage. Right. Right. So that that's weird to me. Uh, but I could, I, I think the more I, I got to thinking about it, sort of being good. Like you, you're not getting boxed in to like only have it because rage is the is the purge mechanic right so like correct that's one of those weird things in deck builders where you're like i want to purge my crappy starting cards but 
only until they're gone, and then the purge resource is useless. Right, right. Well, I mean, it's the same thing with the other ones. Too. Like the, the point card too has some points on it. The point monkey, I should say, but it's not just points, right? It's got a couple other things on it too. But my my point was that I I the more I got to thinking about it is I think that they really were really stressing wanting to do these simultaneous turn things. And when you have a deck builder, when you're going to buy a market in the middle and you buy the card with your resources, then it's a, you know, you have to do things in order and who oh, gets them and whatever you wait on the next yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. That but in this one, sense. at every phase, you don't have to wait on everybody else's things. There is one player interaction where, you know, if I picked a gorilla, for example, then the person to my left and to my right can trigger my action that I pick. But again, right. they don't have to wait on me. They just yeah. saw it when they did the reveal. And then when it's that phase and they can say, do you want that guy's thing or not? Um, and so none of the phases, I think it was like three, maybe four phases. Are you ever taking individual turns? Every single one on board game arena, it's just everybody goes. And then once everybody's done, now everybody goes to the next phase. And because of that, not being able to see the cards, you don't have to, you know, pick, Oh, I wanted that best one. You know, you just don't, right. you just don't know. Um, so it's very it's very different though for a and I'm glad you didn't call it straight up deck builder or you know um I think the key is going to be making that tableau right like making whatever best spot you once you finally get rid of your credit cards how best can you set up your four in a row to get the kind of advantage that you want to have um right but it's yeah it's so funny that you and I were just talking about that deck builder thing and <laughs> why we stopped playing and then yeah. Brian comes up and he's like, let's do a deck builder. And I'm like, all right, fine. And it wasn't anything like that. Yeah. So and if, it's, if you're and listening, Brian that's Cogswell, thing, good job. Yeah. That's a, that's a thing that I talked about when we were, that I mentioned when we were talking about cat in the box, it's like, Oh, this is something I've never seen before. I mean, I've seen cards, but it's pretty rare to have like cards that do things when they're touching, you know, connected, like that's usually a whole game. Like that's the whole game. It's like, uh, we played some game like that where you're making animals, like putting the head and the torso and the tail together to oh. make an animal or something. <laughs> we played so many games on that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Man, I wonder, wonder what our count is for how many games we've played on board game arena. I mean, yours is probably astronomical, but oh. yours, yours are our, our top buddies for board game arena are, Pat and Cogswell, they are champions when you look at their stats. Yeah, you always, mean like total games first. played? It's no, 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 like, not like I've played. You know, uh, can't stop seven hundred times. You know, I mean, 50, like, 50 games of Ink and Gold or something. But unique no, no, no. games, mine's yeah, probably less games. than a hundred. You really think so? Maybe I don't know. I, yeah, I see, see. See people play some wild games that I've never heard of before, and they'll they'll play them like fifteen times. I'm like, wow, that's impressive. So we're we're not getting any money from Board Game Arena, but you know we do we do use them regularly, and I do pay my premium subscription to them. Oh, okay. What else do you got for us, man? Anything fun? Oh, how about uh, how are you feeling about this Wheel of Time season two stuff? Um, I'm really enjoying it. I know I'm talking to some of our friends, and it's always different. Um, I've not heard Cogswell chime in yet. I know that uh, in our group, he and Pat are the only other two 
who have read it. So I'm curious to hear their takes. We talked at length about season one, and I had some issues with it, and I liked it less the more time went on, and I had to, you know, reflect back on it. Um, it's a difficult property to, and this is true anytime you do an adaptation, especially something that's well known, to balance between appealing to existing fans and drawing in new fans. Um, mm-hmm. I think I heard somebody say that the better priority is um, um, the existing fans because you can always convert new fans. Um, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't think I universally agree with that because, you know, I mean, Star Trek and Star Wars both prove that you can make a bad, uh, in you know, version of of that thing, and people will still come back when you make a good one. True. Um, true. but that's not quite the same. Like moving forward in a franchise is not the same as adapting, uh, source material like a Lord of the Rings, um, mm-hmm. kind of thing. But you know, we talked about this. It's a 13 book series it's massive there are huge sections of the middle middles of the book books the middle books there we go um that are like okay i'm interested in this and this but this part of the story i just do not care about and it's gone on three books now and we're just listening to this guy whine about this thing like just just you know move on we don't care about this um right which is always, you know, if you do a story with with multiple characters and and multiple storylines and multiple points of view, there you're always going to have, you know, not always, but you're usually going to have some characters or some storylines that some readers don't care about. Um, right. But at the same time, you're casting a wider net. Like if if the whole story if it's just one story, like if Lord of the Rings only followed Frodo and Sam and you, for some reason, don't like Frodo and Sam because you're a monster, um, <laughs> you're not going to like the book at all. Where, you know, at least this way, you're like, I really like that Legolas and Gimli stuff. And so that keeps you going, even if you're less interested in Frodo and Sam. Sure. Um, I think season two seems to be doing a better job of bringing a version of the original story to the screen. Um, it's still not, you know, verbatim from the books. It's still very changed. Um, but I don't, for whatever reason, I don't mind that as much as I did in the first season. Um, and even in the first season, you know, this whole thing of like, I don't, you know, when I was 20, watching Lord of the Rings, I was annoyed anytime something was changed. I'm like, that didn't they didn't go there. There were no elves at Helm's Deep or whatever. And I understand now that you can change that and still, you know, convey the spirit of the story, right? You could still tell a story that's like, okay, maybe Tolkien didn't put elves at Helm's Deep, but this is still cool and it shows, you know, this part of the politics and whatever, blah, blah. I don't want to get into that. Right. Um and so, you know, my my issues with season one were not that things were different, but that, you know, just on the face of, like, all change is bad. But, oh, there was a term people were using for this at the time. I forget now what it was. It's like good changes or it was something like that. I forget. 
Um, mm-hmm. But the idea of, okay, this isn't bad because it's different from what was in the book. It's bad because you've now put this so early in the story that you've undercut this major theme in this character's arc or something like that. Um, I've gone real into the abstract here, but um, (laughs) of our friends who've chimed in, I know Trotsky is um, less entertained by season two because what he liked about season one was this, like what he calls D and D party going on an adventure kind of thing, um, which was hard for me because I'm like, yeah, that, that's, you know, that doesn't last. That, <laughs> right. that doesn't. It doesn't last. I mean, it's it's very similar to Lord of the Rings in that way, um, except that you know they they form the fellowship at a certain point in the book, the fellowship, and then it's broken by the end of the first book, um, right. which is sort of what happens in Wheel of Time, except more of the party is all people from the same village. Um, yeah, you know the the four hobbits kind of thing um but without giving too much away about what happens in the books like they get split up pretty early and it's a lot like lord of the rings where they're not like some of them see each other but they're definitely not all together again until the very very end and instead of three books like lord of the rings it's 13 books so it's like yeah <laughs> so like don't a, don't plan on that happening. Some, right? yeah. so, some of them are gonna see each other they're gonna talk but some of them don't some of them like never see each other uh and they're definitely not not all together um and i know pete said they tried to watch the first three episodes of season one and just you know had that fantasy book reading meme where you'd like there's just all of these names of people and mm-hmm. places that are that are weird. And I, I mean, I listen to the books on audiobook, so the only hang-up for me with that was when they pronounce things differently. But there are a lot of weird fantasy place and people names and and uh, um, names for yeah, groups I, of people, right? Like saying I American. Can, I can barely remember most of them, and I watched most of season one and. Today, when I was watching the season one, or season two, episode one, was remembering that I think I just now got that there was a group of people called Aes Sedai, and then there's some lady who's the main lady, and I think her name has that same name in it or something. Well, like her last name is Aes yeah. or Adai or something like that. So it's like, yeah, Aes Sedai is the is the title of the group of women who can channel the power, right? They're the wizards of, and they're the only magic users in this, in this world. And the, and what's the M of, lady's last name? I can't think of her first name. There's an M. She's the main character. Moraine. Moraine. And what's her last Moraine. name? Her last name is Damadred, but oh. the, the, the Aes Sedai are often referred to with their first name and Sedai as their title, right? As like oh, saying, okay. As like saying Queen Victoria, right? Except, you know, the title comes after the name. Um, so they'll they'll sometimes call each other by just their first name, but to regular people and to the they call novices, like the apprentice, um, I Sedai, they'll call they'll call her Moraine Sedai, right? It's a it's a you know an honorific. Oh well, that that's that's an example 
of something that <laughs> with these weird terms that if you don't know and you're, the, you're not the, reading it, right? You're the show doesn't it. really give you that. Yeah. And they're throwing and a lot of other things at you all at the same time. Right. right. They don't call them minotaurs. They call them something else. Right. Well, we've, we've had this kind of a discussion before where they just call things differently. Um, but I, 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 I've told you this a little bit off the air. I have, um, I have a hard time remembering anything from season one. Mm-hmm. Anything was memorable. I do remember uh, it hit me right, right about, except I was watching the first one episode today. I was having a hard time getting back into it because I didn't have, have any real motivation. I don't have any like care for the characters to be like, Oh, I wonder what happens to this person or the world. I honestly have no idea what the big deal about the show is right now. Like not, not the big deal, but like, I don't know what the enemy is or what they're trying to do. There's just a bunch of, magic wizard ladies who are bickering with each other constantly and then four or five or six or seven of uh, villager kids who are supposed to be destined to be greatness but i they just seem angsty a lot so i don't i didn't that's the problem with getting back into season two is that i just don't know there's no reason to like make me motivate to go want to watch it again so right. i've been trying to struggle with that a little bit but i'm like i kind of want to watch this i like the genre there was nothing really inherently wrong with the first season i just maybe this one will improve right because you know how sometimes season ones have, have a rough start mm-hmm. um well and, and the and first this one had had COVID hit halfway through production and one of their right. um lead actors leave the show yeah. they had to deal they had to do right. so, so they had to deal with like lockdowns at production like even worse than your normal like rough season one stuff right before well i so when i'm watching this one i will say that in just this first episode i have enjoyed it a little better i still have no idea what who what the people are doing um i just can it feels like almost like a new show i i Hmm. there's they introduced a bad guy i'm like oh okay cool there's a bad guy i can see a bad guy and then they introduced like the characters that are in the harry potter school and I'm like, oh, cool. They're Harry Potter apprentices, and uh, they're also very angsty. At least one of them is super angsty. Um, <laughs> and then they show the the drug addict guy who's like, I don't know what he, I can't remember why he's a drug addict, but he feels like he's got like, I need to have my heroin shot. Um, he's one of the original party kids. Um, and then there's the, the guy that's broody constantly that was married, and uh-huh. he seems to have gotten some soldier buddies to not be so broody with. Um, And I'm like, okay, so now I know starting here what these guys are doing in this first episode. So already it feels much better, at least from a feeling standpoint that like, okay, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm a little bit better with what's going on here. Um, But I still have no idea about their past. And I watched all season one. So I'm going to have to go back and at least watch a recap or, think about it or whatever it is uh, about what the heck these guys are all about. I have um, one re- revelation though that I remembered that I didn't like about season one, but it, it kind of came together and now I understand it better. It's the production quality. I talked about this last season was that they're all of their clothes look brand new and finely stitched, right? Oh, it doesn't look like they're a lived in world where they would, that they're supposed to be around. Everyone else looks like you can tell that it's like, perfectly stitched on all their clothes and it just looks mm-hmm. like a show. And then I said, Oh, I have seen this before. What other show have I seen this? Like the sets <laughs> look like sets. They doesn't look like stone. It looks like stucco. Um, sure. And I realized it was the rings of power. 
I said, what are there? Right. Oh, that's another Amazon show. Another Amazon show. Yeah. Yeah. So they look very, very similar. I'm like, they had to have used the same production teams um, to do the, maybe even reuse some assets or stuff. But maybe. the the clothing and the armoring and the um, the sets are all darn near the exact same things of Rings of Power. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I struggled with this with Rings of Power, and then I just had to give it up and move on and start kind of trying to enjoy the story. Um, sure. And in this first episode of season two, it reared its head again, and I was like, oh, man. Because I'm seeing it on a big screen, right? And I can't not see these things. But I'm like, yeah, it's just that kind of show. It's not what I would say is a high production kind of show. It's a made-for-TV epic thing. Sure. Um, although they paid like billions of dollars for both this and Rings of Power. Um, it just, it, as long as I watch it and kind of see it as a made for TV movie, then I can just get over, I just get over that. It's not Lord of the Rings, you know, the original trilogy quality of, of stuff. Sure. It's not, sure. you know, that kind of, it's not that kind of movie, Jim. Um, <laughs> so, but, and so that, that has just today when that, when I put them both together and I realized, okay, this is how Amazon films are. Okay. I'm, I'm there. So I, I feel better about it, but I'm still have no idea about these characters. Like, so that in general, long short of it, I feel that they probably dropped the ball with season one and hopefully they can pick it back up with season two and we can get more interesting characters. It does look like the characters that the kids I'm using air quotes have grown up a lit because they mm-hmm. actually have grown up like three years. Um, yeah, we talked about this um, in season one. the the main The main village kids are all aged up from the books, yeah. um, which I understand why they did that. Right? It's a little bit like what they did in Game of Thrones, where you know th- these books are not you know, they're not George R. R. Martin. There's not rampant sex and and marriage night rape and stuff yeah uh but there is heavily implied sex happening multiple times especially later um in in the show which sort of begs the question like you could but this some of it's time right like even though it's gonna take that you know if they get to continue and make the whole story it's gonna take them 10 years um 10 years doesn't pass in story time um, so they, they started the kids as young adults instead of in the books. They're basically like 16, 17. Um, I think naive is probably like 20. Um, I don't remember precisely. So probably. And she's, the, she's the gloomy girl in the Harry Potter school, right? Cause I think she was supposed to be older than them. She's, she's older than them. So, um, is that, is that the girl that the, the one? I, I you think that's naive. the one. Okay. Nynaeve, yeah, that's the that's the one. Um, she's she doesn't really want to be there. She doesn't trust Aes Sedai, but her big her big problem is that she's supposedly more powerful than any living Aes Sedai. Like she has more magic potential um, than any living Aes Sedai, but she can't control it. There's she has a, a psychological block. Um, that keeps her from accessing the power. She can do it, but only if she's terrified or super angry. Oh, so that's uh, why like the, the the female Count Dooku was coming up at her and like I can I can beat the crap out of her and make it work. Right. Right. Okay. 
um, for people who I'm just asking Dennis questions uh, about season one. So <laughs> you can hear on me. Okay. So what about, uh, let's ask if we don't remember to help us, some of us catch up. What is the deal with her friend? So we got the, the gloomy Gus girl who is at the Harry Potter school, but hates that she's at the Harry Potter school. I can, what about I can feel her friend? Well, if he's listening to this episode, just screaming at his phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, 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 the thing is that I've got no perspective on these characters. That right, I, not, right. And a whole season, that's, I still have. I haven't. That's fine. Them as out. as as long as I can parse your uh, your your Michael E's and, and figure right. out what what you're referring to. So um, who who is that? What's the deal with the other girl? If I remember right, my my memory being what it was, she my only thing I could remember her about her was that she was she had a um, high school lovey dovey romance with the redheaded guy. Yeah. So okay, wh- so, what's her deal though? She got like some kind of special powers, or she's she's also more powerful than than any of the existing Aes Sedai like she has more magic potential um her the she she maybe yeah had like a budding romance with with Rand and they established at the end of season one that Rand is the chosen one right they call that's right he was they called the dragon reborn there's the main the main conflict with that it's like this is a world of reincarnation right so the dragon is a person everybody is is was somebody before but the dragon is a person who existed several like 3000 years ago or something like that so it's all so far back that that people don't really remember like there are records and things but it's all you know um it's all so far back that the details are lost um well I i think that's one of the things about this is it's not that the story or the world isn't interesting i think that's one of the things that drives me on i i really do think that it's the actors that they chose for the the main characters aren't very likable or they don't have good emotes to their yeah there's style. there's it's just angry or there's a lot of that some are better than others um but but i agree with that and i hope as the show goes on that they get uh that they get better um, well the the, some the, of, some the so it brings me ones, to the other but... guy so there's the guy that has the yellow eyes that it was just, he was just the biggest sourpuss Eeyore for, <laughs> I mean, I, I get, I remember his wife died, but he was like, he was just so lame or boring in the first one. And this one, he seems, I think that feels like the actor's getting a little bit more comfortable because yeah, he that's seemed a, to be better in this one episode and was yeah, doing that's more. A, and, that's a two, like, there are two parts of that, right? Like one is one is the actor and the other part is that this this whole what i mean because they aged them up right like they're all the same mm-hmm. age they're all kids so he doesn't have a wife in the books but they gave him the writers gave him a wife and had her die early on so it's a little bit like we were talking about off the air with people you know most people don't don't kill someone in real life so like he mm-hmm. watches her die i forget does he like accidentally kill her i think that's what happens mm-hmm. so he has this like he accidentally killed his wife that's his you know mental and emotional state for because it hasn't been that long um and he uh he sometimes has yellow eyes which i think i think they've already revealed or they will i know they will in a couple episodes because i've seen all of all five of the 
the the season two episodes that are out so far um he can talk to wolves um, i thought that which, i thought that dudes that did magic are like evil yeah world. that's that's a conflict too because it's not it's not channeling magic it's just an ability um oh, he okay. he can't he can't channel magic the way that i Sedai can he just can talk to wolves he's just and like a good basketball player got it kind of yeah and so later on he'll have some um like not not abilities but like he'll have better it's like a like a elf versus a human like he'll have better vision and mm. a, a sharper sense of smell so he can um you know they're gonna be a scene of, where he says hey is it same parent right parent what what does your wolf what, eyes what see? does your wolf wolf eyes see and i don't i don't think so oh, okay I'll wait um and so what he is doing is it at the end of season one they have a big battle on the in in that town that fortress town um on the border they call the border of the blight right it's like um it's like a smaller version of minas tirith right the blight is where this evil it's where the the trollocs the the, they call trollocs they're some of them are like minotaurs but they're basically like bipedal um creatures with animal heads and stuff okay but they come out of the blight and so there there are these towns along the border that's where lan is from he's um moraine's warder oh yeah they had they had some beef which i didn't quite know what was going on there they couldn't yeah so so in the process of that battle they find an artifact uh called the horn of valier it's a horn right a a Mm -hmm. trumpet thing um and that is I'm sure there's something that it's like. It's it's a magic artifact that when someone uses it, it summons these um, heroes, heroes of legend. That's not what they're called. There's something like that. They're great heroes, right? So like, right. like um, King Arthur and Grandal or whichever one of them is the monster. I never remember. Um, and... Cool beowulf kind of thing they like there are these people who in the course of their lives were so heroic that instead of being reborn into new bodies their souls just stay outside of the oh that's the material world the wheel the, the wheel the pattern um and when somebody blows that horn it calls them from where they're waiting to to fight in a battle and all of this um, sounds absolutely cool and amazing i don't remember <laughs> any of that happening in the first season it's okay. i don't i don't know how much they explain it in the in the in season one there's probably there's a a bard character who i've not seen in season two tom i don't remember what happened to him maybe he got killed in season one i don't remember um but we haven't seen him in season two the, the, he he might have explained that in season one because he's that sort of character right you've got a bard who knows a bunch of stuff he's gonna be your sort of exposition info dump character whenever Moraine isn't uh, uh, doing that. Um, but they found that horn in the last episode of season one. And um, the, do you remember the peddler from the village? No. Um, his name is Pot on Fane, which is a you know, weird name to remember. But um, th- uh, this peddler 
comes to the town and everybody's excited to see him, right? Because he's got stories and it's a medieval village. He turns out to be evil, right? He's a dark friend. And okay. he he steals that horn and runs off with it. And okay. so what Perrin is doing with Shinarans, who Shinar is Shinara is the um the town, the the region on the border where they had that battle. So Perrin and those soldiers are tracking that guy. They're chasing after Ponifane to try and get the horn back because the heroes will fight for whoever blows the horn. So they they want the good guys to have it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so the the basic. So that's that's what he's doing at the beginning. And that was another thing that I was like, what is he doing? And then it as as the episodes went on, it sort of um Man, I don't remember any of this. Okay. Crazy. I'm, I definitely have to watch all that again. I remember there was a big battle at a big fortress type thing. Yeah, um, there's a there's a big battle, and they do this big lightning thing. But I do remember completely... when it was happening. I didn't know why it was happening. They, like they just the story got jammed there. It felt like. Yeah, um, well, that was that was part of the like post COVID production where they dropped a bunch of characters out of that story because they couldn't have them all together um, while they're you know for filming. Um, yeah. But the so, so now so like why did the, why, why did that make her the warder and that lady have beef with each other? Um, you mean Moraine and Lan? Yeah, like they're they're so, all grumbly with each other now. In the, yeah. In the, so when when Rand fought uh, Ishamael, the bad guy, um, okay. who's wearing like almost modern looking clothes, and he's okay. got a big nose. Um, they thought that he was the devil right the dark one um and one of the things that he did was um cut off moraine from the power so she can't use magic at the beginning of season no more wizard for her harry right and so she is you know I don't want to say mopey, that sounds right, but it's a, it's a thing in the world that when people who can use the power are cut off from it, they usually commit suicide. Yeah, that's, um, what, that's what one of the ladies at the dinner table on this first episode said. Yeah. Talk, right. So that, that makes and, some sense. And so he, Lan is frustrated because Moraine is pushing him away. Like, she's still doing stuff. Like, she's, she's trying to keep herself busy to, you know, f- fight off depression, basically. Um, and and she's part you know part of that is keeping him at a distance which is frustrating him because he wants to help her and she's not letting him in what well, one of the things that that this series seems to do and i'm not entirely certain why is that they hold a whole lot of stuff back from the viewer without giving you reasons except for you'll know later type stuff and then and then when they reveal it it's not really memorable or you don't remember that you had asked that question so for example mm-hmm. in this season two episode one she meets with some guy who i don't know what it is and he's got this rock which i find amusing that the, he says it's unbreakable but it's got chips all in it all over the place so clearly it's been broken right. um and he's wanting to sell this thing and then she says oh there's a poem and buys the poem and does a thing and then walks away i'm like <laughs> i have no idea the purpose of any of that. Like, why was this impenetrable rock so important? Why was he stunned that she didn't buy it? Why didn't she buy it? Why is this poem important? They, they, they don't tell us anything. 
They just do. A, yeah, and this show has I, done that throughout the time. Is they'll just like, hey, there's this thing, but we're not going right. to tell you what it is. We're not going to tell you what about it is. It's just going to show up one time, and then you're going to forget it three hours in the future. <laughs> but right, yeah, yeah, I I almost forgot that happened. I don't remember. I don't think that's in the book, but I don't remember the the books. The books do a lot of that, where you know you get things, and you know some people some people just don't know. There's a lot of, you know, sort of intrigue and deception, especially in the the evil characters, right? Of course. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that stone, so there's a type of metal that's like, um, it's not really like mithril. It's, it's metal that they make using the one power, right? They, they make using magic and it's indestructible, right? It's, it's okay. adamantium or whatever. Um, and the last time there was a dragon, right? Thousands of years ago, um, the previous dragon sealed the dark one in a prison, right? It's, it's sort of, I don't think it's a literal physical prison. It's more, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I don't know. Metaphysical kind of, um, and the prison has seven seals on it and those seals are made out of this uh, metal they call queen dr um and it's indestructible but the guy who's talking to moraine has a piece of one of them that's broken so part of why they're reacting so strongly to it is like this is indestructible it shouldn't be broken and so like that's the and so he thinks that a piece of it has value just because of that but there's something with this poem that I don't know at least as of episode 5 that hasn't come back up I assume that it will in this season later Um, but that's something I as an example that I think that it's probably a writing problem is that like I remember them doing not yeah and that's what I that's what I mean where they're they're maybe doing too many mysteries doing a better job of of recreating this story for people who read the books, but for somebody coming in, uh, coming in fresh and see, I don't, I don't have any way to gauge this really. I mean, I can right. kind of guess like at you, it, but I, I mean, for sure. When, when I watched uh, rings of power, I have read a ton, like it, the stuff that's in the Similarian and things that, that have, right. and that's hard as it is. But when I can pick out and say, Oh, I know that he is this guy and has that thing, but I couldn't, view that from somebody who had not known any of that background stuff right Right. and to me it probably had much bigger meaning and therefore much bigger weight in an episode or two when someone appears and they have dramatic music um Mm -hmm. but for somebody else they're like why are you doing this it doesn't make any sense and then they never explain so i can i can understand that um and obviously rings of power did a lot of that as well um and i think much to its discredit it did that, you know, and people were just like, I don't know anything about this and I'm, and I'm out. Um, I worry that wheel of time will be the same thing in the fact that every time I hear you talk about it or I read from Coxwell talk about it, it's like, Oh, it's very interesting. And there's all sorts of these cool things. But when I watch it and listen to it, I get the two. I don't know what you're talking about, why this is important or, and you're not, you're keeping it from me and everybody's being mysterious, saying weird terms and then you've got the the kids who are unlikable. So it's right. It's all those things that are like, hey man, your writers, whoever you got over there at Amazon, need need to get their stuff together. And then on top of it, 
It also doesn't help that they have the real big problem that I, I've always harped at. You can't put series is two years apart from each other and expect people to be like who just kind of barely stumbled in the first season and were just on the fence about it be jazzed about it for the second season two years later yeah right i mean if it was like oh my god it was stranger things and i was left dying for more at the end because of this amazing story that they're telling like even stranger things had a a semi-complete story at the end of that you were like cool with at the end of season one this has okay, now we're just at the beginning of a very confusing mess of a thing, a 13-book yeah. story. Now wait two more years and try to remember it all. You know, Right, right. So, and, a, you know, I I assume a lot of that is COVID, right? Like s- delaying, getting, and they had to recast Matt. And Well, they, I mean, they, what else, they, but, launched, they launched the first season on November 2021. So that was a year after COVID was pretty much done. So that means that they had to have started filming this they've had two years to film it in post-production so yeah yeah i don't know i don't know but you're right yeah. it's been almost two years and so even even for me who's read all the books i'm like what happened in season one and then as as you know i watched season two i was like oh yeah they did that and he met him and that's why he's here and yeah I think the worst yeah, part about this, though, is that one is that they're not the way they promoted it the first time was gangbusters. Right. It was on Amazon Prime boxes everywhere and everything. Mm, and yeah. here it it I haven't even really seen it on my news sites that are all like nerdy news sites. And, and you can no, book sites. I mean, I mean, I I mean, obviously, there was a lot for season one, even it was on YouTube and they did the Amazon thing where it's printed on all their boxes and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But um, and I, I kind of like this. Like I, I this should have been very much on my radar, right? But I don't, ah, yeah. you know, I don't really seek out news and stuff. And so it was like, oh yeah, this is coming back. And then I, then I forgot about it. And we talked about it. And I'm like, I should finally start watching season two. And so I've been able to watch five episodes in the last week because I started it so late. Because you and hadn't now, even like, known that it was out, right? Type thing. Because I was, it, you know, I was sort of, and part of that was because I didn't really like season one. So I wasn't super jazzed for it. And I'm watching other things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, it just is kind of, it kind of flew under the radar this season. Well, that's, two. that's, I said the worst thing you can say about this is that. It makes me real nervous that how the hell are they going to get at least six or seven seasons out of this, even if they condense it down from 13? Are are they going to greenlight them after right. season are, two, let alone maybe gonna... season three? Because this is not one of those film, those things that they just spend a little bit of money on, right? Right. It's a huge investment for Amazon to spend so much money on this on this series. And then if it's not going to get the viewership and they're not supporting it with the marketing that they way they did... I can't see right. them giving them six, seven seasons. I don't yeah, think they're like, thirteen seasons, but when are they gonna? When are they gonna cancel it? Right? Yeah. yeah, and if they can't, yeah, that's the worst. Is that if they cancel it mid-story, right? right? And but man, they chose a thing that was thirteen books, right? They chose to put yeah. onto onto film something that's thirteen books, and it's and it's genre, so it's got it's got a built-in audience, but. Like I was saying earlier, if you don't, if you don't do right by that audience, you're going to have a hard time because your new audience, you know, your potential new audience has so much stuff now, right? This isn't oh, yeah. 2001. I mean, you fell off Rings of Power and you're a huge Lord of the Rings fan. Yeah. The, there's, you know, this isn't 2001 where there's nothing 
else, right? Or like, right. um, what's the movie we saw? Legend, right? That that right. kind of stuff. Like, if I want to watch high fantasy or whatever, I can watch. I can rewatch Lord of the Rings for crying out loud. I can yeah. watch Rings of Power. I can watch Shannara Chronicles. I could watch Legend of the Seeker. Even like older stuff. And there's new stuff. I could watch Game like of Thrones. Shadow and Bone. That's the very similar season. genre. Shadow and Bone or um, um, Lock and Key. Is that something? Lock and Key. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like there's, we have the technology now to make, you know, mediocre to decent fantasy stories, you know, in live action. And so there's not. Um, you know, people aren't going to watch this just because of the genre. Um, yeah, and it, you're right. It used to be. That's why. That's why I watched Stargate because there wasn't much anything else that was on. You know, at the time. Uh, but now yeah. you can. Now I can. Now I can say, yeah, that's just you know whatever. And the, oh, man, I just the, now I said the Shadow big, and Bone. The big audience for this series is people who read the books. Right? It's not well, um, not just that. It's that the books were. I guess really really good and I've heard multiple people talk about them lovingly and told me the yeah. the synopsis of things and it sounds super cool and interesting um, mm-hmm. but as we've come to know translating that to the thing is not just because you have a good story does not mean that it's a sure win with either of the camps of book readers or not or new people so, which, you know, every time I read a new series, I'm like, man, I'd love to see that on the big screen. And they could just totally do that. I watch something like this and I'm like, man, maybe I should, you know, just hope it if gets they, in the right hands instead of any If they hands. do it well. I mean, there's that, again, there's that balance between the two, between the two camps. But the worst thing you can do is change things and, and handle things so poorly that you put off your existing audience and end up with something that's not good on its own and yeah. doesn't bring in new views. So, like, now you're not pleasing anybody. Yeah. Uh, on, honestly, I think some of the, some, most of the time, this can be prevented by time. And what I mean by that is that, you know, a someone will come up, I'm sure it's executive producers, and then they'll have a, a, a brainstorming session on their, on their, you know, yachts one day. And they're like, you know what? <laughs> We need a good fantasy series, like something like Game of Thrones, right? Let's do a Game of Thrones. Let's go out there and look for things that are Game of Thrones-esque. And then they start brainstorming things out. Things like Rings of Power. Let's do another Lord of the Rings come out. Let's do a Shadow and Bone. Let's do, you know, um, Wheel of Time. Um, But they, and then they just say, okay, we're going to green light a Wheel of Time series. All right, go find a guy. And we want to make this within the next couple, couple years. So within two years, you should be able to find somebody who can do this. And then they'll get three writers submitting scripts and then they kind of got to pick the best out of three and they're all bad. You know what I mean? Instead of giving things time and just saying, you know, um, not necessarily that we want to make a rings of power, but looking at people's scripts who have written good scripts and then making the movie based on the good script, not just saying we want to ham fist into a thing and then back pedaling into a, um, a bad script. In a, or that made for TV type thing or made for different things. I think you have to, you know, look at something, let's say Shadow and Bone, and say it's a good good book series. You have to have somebody that comes forward and has a good film adaptation written for it that they can pitch to the studio instead of the studio going out and looking for Shadow and Bone and having somebody just create it. Right? 
Um, yeah. I think it has to be, you just, you need to give the, uh, get a good script writer that wants to do it and loves it. That's the Fran Welsh type thing, right? Who is passionate and loves it and knows it through and through. Um, and then can write Lord of the Rings. So, yeah. And I'm not sure we're necessarily getting that with this one. Um, and I'll do, probably do like the first one. I don't know. Maybe I'll, I won't, but I'm more positive on season two because that first episode felt much more coherent. Um, but I'll have to ask you, I'll have to ask you more offline. Like I don't, I can't remember the heroin guy. Um, and did they even show the, uh, the Luke Skywalker in this one, this episode? I can't remember if they even showed him except at he, the very end. He has his head shaved. So I don't oh, cause, right. because I've seen them all. It's um, not to not to bring up my whole issue with the two rivers, but the only people or the the main one of the main characteristics of people with red hair is they are these uh, nomadic desert people they call Aiel. Mm-hmm. And there's a prologue to one of the or a cold open to one of the episodes in season one where you see his mother fighting right there. Oh, they're I remember fierce, that was a good scene. I remember that fierce fighters. Right. And they're. They they're mostly redheads. So in the books, he's the only person in the village who's a redhead, and he's taller than everybody else. So he's he's grown up there. So people don't really think about it. But whenever they meet new people, like when they meet uh, Loyal, the the Ogier, the big guy who's with Perrin, um, they think that he's Aiel. So the town that he's staying in is is close to it's somewhere that was invaded by Aiel. Um, that's when, uh, like his dad, Rand's father went to, um, fight in that war. Um, and so he keeps his head shaved because if people see him with red hair, they're going to be suspicious of it. Oh, okay. That, that is not explained again. They're just, yeah, I think, shaved head. <laughs> I think maybe there's maybe a conversation in like the second or third episode where they, they start to explain that more. But it's another one of those things where I can't tell, because I already know. I can't tell if they're if they're handling that that information. Yeah, you know, um, some sometimes well. you get the exposition dump though, and you have the uh, somebody the bard, let's say, sit down at the table and like the shooby doo doobies don't like the hobbit jibjobbies because of their auburn locks, and you're like, right? I don't know who the shoe dooby doobies are or the hobby <laughs> dobbies, right? Yeah, so, and so that just goes over my head. Some of it, some right. of it, I oh, think oh, is probably because Rand is a shoe dooby dooby. I didn't know that type thing. You're right. So some some of that gets gets confusing. Um, probably easier if you read it or or listen to it in the book. It's maybe what something I should do, consider is. Doing the audiobooks of some of these things. Although it's 13 books. Oh, my gosh. I'll tell you what. <laughs> if if I watch this series and they cut it off like halfway, then probably I'll be like, all right, I'm starting on book wherever it started. And then go, go back. Go then back you're going to have to explain and, to me where, you know, what's different here. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I think because the books, and there's no reason they had to do this in the show because it's it's a show and not a book. The books mostly follow the kids, the village kids. Yeah. And so, like, they experience all this stuff and they don't know. Right. And I think they're doing some of that with the show, but some of it is just that the world is so big and they have all, you know, separate stories like Game of Thrones does that it is probably just a little overwhelming to a new viewer. Probably. Probably. Yeah. I wonder how like Lord of the Rings did it successfully. I'm not sure. Yeah. It's a, it's a shorter story. And I mean, 
you know, if you go back and read Lord of the Rings, there are these long descriptions of, like, landscape and stuff, and you're like, what is... I can't tell any yeah. of what's going on here. Or the book is very difficult, for sure. Challenging. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, so, next week, we're watching... What are we watching? Um, I forget all my little thing now. Um, The Change-Up. You... you the change up that's right okay and we'll have i don't know what we'll have maybe more lower decks or something oh man i gotta watch more than i watched i watched the second episode and the what, and if, what, what's and the, if you what's watch the creature some, called uh moopsie moopsie right moopsie, moopsie. he's he says it like 30 times <laughs> moopsie uh and if you watch more of this we'll talk more about wheel time all right, you've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 315. Thanks always to our friends at LRM Online. You can check them out for reviews on things. If you want to email us and tell us everything I am wrong in what I remember from Wheel of Time, you can do that via email. Our address is frontporchpod at gmail.com. If you head over to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, you can find contact forms there to reach out to us, and I'll put links to the board games we talked about earlier. If you enjoy the show, please consider subscribing on the podcatcher of your choice. And while you're there, if you would leave us a review, we always appreciate that. It helps out a lot in those algorithms. As always, thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For The Front Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.